Jesus speaking. Blessed are the people the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. You can be seated. You're just not going to say it, are you? Blessed be the Lord. <laughs> you guys are a stubborn group. No, you're not. Setting our ways. We'll keep doing it. And maybe, maybe somebody will one time without me making you do it. You know, I used to, um, when I was a younger guy, uh, I used to move furniture on my own. <laughs> you know, that, that was one of the things. I, I could move, and I, I've done, when I look back at how I've moved furniture in the house, I, I, I'm really kind of amazed. I, I could move stuff from upstairs to downstairs, from downstairs to upstairs. I could move couches. You know, I, I had this system where, where I could just do things on my own. <laughs> Anybody else? like that, like to do that. You know, I, you know, I didn't like to depend on anybody. I, you know, if I wanted to move something from another room, I liked the idea that I could figure out a way by myself to get it from one room to another. Now, we had an old piano and, and the boys, <laughs> I think about this now, you know, those old pianos are heavy, right? And we decided, I decided I was going to move that and get rid of that. And, you know, my nine-year-old son and his six-year-old brother were helping me. That probably wasn't too wise on that piano. But, but I like to just do things on my own. This, this past spring, well, it's spring now. This past fall, I'll figure out what season it is. This past fall, I bought a treadmill. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't have them bring it over or install it or anything. I, I talked a little bit about the, the, the putting the treadmill together and it only took me eight attempts to put the treadmill to, together and, and I had to come to the altar on Sunday morning uh, be, because of my attempt to put the treadmill together on my own. Uh, but, but the treadmill, it, it was, I don't know, 250, 300 pounds. And, you know, I figured, well, I can get that thing to my basement. You know, I'll figure out, you know, because gravity, when you're putting something downstairs, gravity does most of the work. It was then I realized I'm getting older. Uh, I can no longer do those things that I used to do with such ease. I, I had to call Craig Elrod to help me get that treadmill into the basement. You know, we, we, we like to be self-reliant. I, I, at least with me, maybe this isn't your, your, um, your weakness, <laughs> but, but one of my weaknesses is, and, and I, I'm kind of being vulnerable even telling you this, I don't like to depend on anybody. Uh, I, I, I 
I want to be self-reliant. As a matter, matter of fact, if you come up to me and say, oh, pastor, you know, I feel so bad for you, I, I kind of react negatively to that. that. That's not in my nature for anybody to feel sorry for me or, or, or for me to begin to feel like I have to depend on anyone. Anybody else like that? Or is that just my weakness? I come about it naturally. It's, 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 it's kind of, you know, I, I'm a mixture of my mom and dad. When you see me cry up here, that's my mom. <laughs> Uh, this self-reliance is dad. I can remember dad uh, had car trouble when we lived in Kansas City, and he, he, his car broke down uh, eight or nine miles from the house. And this was before there were cell phones. Yes, there was a day when people didn't have cell phones. And dad walked home. And my uncle lived three doors down. And I can still remember my Uncle Danny saying, Bob, why wouldn't you call me for help? Because we don't like to depend on anybody. You know, in my mind, and I don't think, even, even though sometimes I think there's some extremes in my personality in that I believe we're here for, I preach I believe we're here for each other and we need to be vulnerable with each other, but it's very difficult for me to do that. Anybody else say, when pastor, when you preach vulnerability, you about make me want to run out the back door, right? When you preach reliance on each other. See, see something in our culture, something in our personalities begins to equate self-reliance with blessing and happiness, right? When, when I am financially set where I don't need to depend or I don't need to worry about money anymore, when I can retire with enough in that 401k or in that IRA or whatever you've got it in, whatever combination of numbers and letters you've got it in, when there's enough in that account that I can live to about 95 and, and have my same lifestyle and I'm completely self-dependent, I'll be blessed and happy. Now, I'm not preaching against financial planning, okay? Don't, don't mishear me. But, but we equate our blessing and our happiness with that self-reliance. When, when I can set the agenda at work, when I get to the corner office, you know, that big office that's got windows on two sides, when I get to that corner office and I'm the boss and I can set the agenda, then I'll be blessed. I'll be happy. When I'm free to do what I want to do, when nobody is telling me what I have to do, then I'll be blessed and I'll be happy. Jesus presents in the Beatitudes a significant shift. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. This is how God intends his people to live. And it's different. It's different than what the world preaches and what probably your neighbors preach, and maybe even sometimes what we teach our kids. <laughs> you know, we teach our kids self-reliance, right? Right? I, I have. I mean, I've been guilty of, of 
teaching my kids, and not anti-God, but, but, but preaching this importance of self-reliance and self-determination. And so we, we, we encounter this as we've went through this. We, 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 we begin to think, well, it, it's, it's like Jesus is upside down, but, but the kingdom, the Beatitudes aren't upside down. We're upside down. And, and the Beatitudes represent attitudes which allow us to fully reclaim our place as God's obedient children. I love that song, Amy, for, for this series. Because I truly believe that God has a kingdom, God has a way, a politic, if you will, a way of power and influence and living life, of making decisions. That, that, that God has something in mind for the people of God. It's just not about, hey, I got to do my Sunday morning time and I have to serve and I have to give, but then the rest of my week is mine. But, but God has in mind a way of life for us that, that serves as a light, a beacon, a witness to the world that God has something better in mind than what people are experiencing. And these beatitudes are attitudes that, that when you look at them, they, they may seem wrong side up, but they're right side up. And, and we need to be adjusting our life to the beatitudes and the attitudes they represent. N.T. Wright, and I haven't been able to find this quote. I've looked for it, but I, but I know I read it somewhere in an N.T. Wright book. says that, that oftentimes we, we try to apply Scripture to our life when the truth is we need to be applying our, our lives to the Scripture. That, that we look at it backwards, that, that we need to be putting our life against Scripture and, and measuring up, not picking and choosing what parts of Scripture we want to utilize. Jesus says, Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Of course, if you're reading the King James Version or the NIV, it says, Blessed are the meek. The New Living Translation says, Humble. And the New American Standard, which I read from, says gentle. So what does it mean to be meek? You know, that's that's the, the phrase we've heard, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's, that's the phrase that we associate with this beatitude most. I think typically when we think of meekness, we think of weakness, right? <laughs> to, to be meek is to be weak. And as a matter of fact, I, I looked up some, some dictionary.com uh, definitions. It means overly submissive or compliant, spiritless or tame. <laughs> The wordsmith dictionary online says, unable to or unwilling to assert oneself, lacking spirit, submissive, retiring. So when we think of weakness, and, and, and I think really even being extremely gentle or gentle or humble, it, it has connotations of weakness or a lack of strength. Uh, the, the inability to assert oneself. As a matter of fact, I, I've seen believers that have taken this meekness to heart and, and they begin to believe that to be meek means that they never assert an opinion on anything. Jimmy Buffett's famous for saying, indecision may or may not be my problem. <laughs> 
So meekness becomes this indecision that you, you, you never strongly assert anything, but you just kind of are there. It's, it's the image of a doormat that everybody just walks over. But, but that's not the biblical use of the word meek. In the New Testament, it's used five times, and, and two times it's used to describe Jesus. Jesus is anything but weak. Jesus is anything but a doormat. In the Old Testament, of course, it's a different word, but, but meek is used to describe Moses. <laughs> You know, M- Moses, who goes before Pharaoh with a, s- a snake that looks like a stick in his hand and throws it on the ground in front of Pharaoh and demands that he let his people go, that, that leads hundreds of thousands of people in the wilderness. Moses is anything but weak. Moses is anything but a doormat. See, see meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Uh, Barclay writes in in his commentary about this passage, he says, oh, the bliss of those who are always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time, who have every instinct, impulse, and passion under control because they themselves have the humility to realize their own ignorance and their own weakness. So, So Barclay paints this image of not weakness, but strength under control, emotions under control, being under the control, the guidance of God. You know, as I read this, that's what I long for in my life. And there's times in my life I don't feel like I've grasped that. Anybody else with me there? That, that, that this ideal of just being completely under the control of God You know, there's things in our life that that pull us outside of that. Um, Walking the dog and the dog laying on his back in a yard and refusing to get up. It's probably a good thing I walk him in public and not in private, right? But I got to tell you, Outside, I'm under control, but inside, I'm going, ah! Nobody else is like that, right? <laughs> uh, that's just me. You know, it's, you know when, when you're reasoning with a puppy to get off the ground, it, it can be a frustrating thing. Please get up. People are looking at us and laughing. But even in circumstances like that, I believe what the passage is pointing to is this ideal that God's desire for us is to be just completely submitted and in control even in those circumstances. It's easy here on Sunday morning. Amen? It should be. (laughs) If it's not, then I, I don't know what the rest of the week looks like. If it's not easy in here, you need to come on forward. We just pray the whole time for you. But it's easy here. But it's not so easy when things aren't going your way out there through the week. When, when you're in an aggressive conversation with your spouse. <laughs> when, when, when your kids maybe 
seem to be a little bit unreasonable. When when your boss has an unreasonable expectation, when you get cut off in traffic, when when you sit at the restaurant for 30 minutes, I'm just getting mad thinking about it. No, I'm not. (laughs) When you sit at the restaurant for 30 minutes and and the waiter or the waitress seems to not think you're even there anymore. See, this is what this is talking about. It's it's not talking about our best. It's talking about our worst. See, see, I think God wants to be God of our best. But I think God wants to be God of our worst circumstances too. And not that we don't struggle and and not that it's it's always easy, but, but, but I believe God is calling us to this steady trust in him regardless of the circumstances. Another writer talks about the first three Beatitudes and he puts it in this order. The poor in spirit have seen God. (laughs) Those who mourn have seen themselves and their own sinfulness. The meek have seen the task before and realize they cannot do it in their own strength. Folks, when we consider what God is calling us to, it's bigger than us. And the, and the meek understand that someone else has to be in charge. <laughs> Who's in charge here? Someone else has to be in charge, has to be in control, has to be set in the agenda. It can't be based on our self-determination, our self-reliance, our agenda. It's got to be based on something bigger and better than us. It's not about me getting my way. But but I believe that the kingdom comes when God gets his way. Now, now that affects communities, but, but I believe it begins in our individual hearts. That, that communities, that churches, that neighborhoods, that homes, I, I believe God can, his kingdom can come and he can assert control over big groups of people, but it get, begins one person at a time saying, okay, God, you're going to set the agenda. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We can have soul deep satisfaction when we grant God full authority. We can be blessed. We can be happy. We can, we can have purpose. Now, in, in the Beatitude, it says, inherit the earth. And that's always been a kind of a, a funny one to me. You know, I, I don't know if I want the earth. What, what, what's something else? Can I, can I turn it in? Is it like a green stamp? Uh, and half of you don't even know what a green stamp is, do you? Who knows what green stamp? Anybody remember green stamps? Yeah. Ask somebody that raised their hand. They'll tell you what it was. It's a way of shopping in the 60s. The, the, the literal translation is, you will inherit the land. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the land. See, context matters. And Jesus is speaking to Jewish people who, who have in, in their mind, in their context, the, the ideal, this ideal of you will inherit the land was a clear ideal to them. 
You know, it wasn't about inheriting the earth. It was about inheriting the land. And when Jesus used that language, their mind would go back to the promises to Abraham, the, the, the promises to, to, to Moses, the, the, the promises to, to Joshua, the promises that the, that, that the children of God, Israel, would inherit this particular promised land. That, that they were a people that were special to God and that God would give them a land, a place. And it's what they wanted. These people that had gathered around Jesus, in the back of their minds as they began to think of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, as they began to think about God's promises and God blessing them, in the back of their mind there was always this ideal, this, this is our land and why are we in subjectation to the Romans? Why, why do we not control our own fate? Why, why are we a vassal nation? Why don't we really have the land? All these promises. And, and so you, you had groups. You, you had political parties <laughs> that were at work trying to usher in God's kingdom. What's, what is has always been, folks. There were political parties. You, you had your Pharisees, and, and they were in essence a, a political party. And, and the Pharisees were saying, okay, if, if we want to inherit the land, it'll be because of our personal holiness. The way we live our life. And so the, the Pharisees, as a matter of fact, one of, the, one of the common teachings at the time of Jesus was if we would ever just, everyone as a nation, keep one Sabbath, then God would give us the land. And so to them it was, if we are just, if we keep the rules, we do everything right. The Herodians or the Sadducees, these were the ones in political power. And, and, and they were heavily influenced by Greek thought. And they thought, well, if we just submit, if we just you know, this isn't about Rome and, and we just go with the flow and we just do what we need to do. If we just submit, then God will give us the land. We've all heard of the Essenes. The Essenes were these radical guys and gals that, that went out into the desert and, you know, John the Baptist has the markings of an Essene. You know, and, and they had even more extreme than the Pharisees. And they, they said, okay, no, it, it's not about personal holiness. It's, it's not about submission. It's about withdrawing. If we were just, would just withdraw from the system and we would set up our own way, then God will bring us back to the land. And then you had the zealots. And these were the ones that said, no, what we need is a bloody revolution. We need to arm ourselves, and we need to, we need to gain power, and we need to just by force push the Romans out. Jesus, you ever heard of the third way? In, in our way of thinking, there's always, you know, there's this, there's pros and cons, 
this point and that point. Jesus consistently goes to this third way of thinking. Jesus is Messiah, the Son of God, and that's why he... But Jesus is genius. The, the teaching of Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount is genius. And as a matter of fact, Jesus has influenced people through other religions because of the genius of his teaching. Gandhi, Gandhi is influenced by Jesus in the revolution in India. But Jesus always offers this third way. It's something above and beyond just what we think and what we want to do. And Jesus says, no, you want to inherit the land? Submit to God. You want to possess this word? If you want to possess this land, if you want to inherit this land, then you just need to be meek. You need to put your strength fully under the control of God. Inherit's the right word, by the way. It's not seizing, it's inheriting. It's, it, it's not their power, it's God's power. And if you read the Old Testament, you see it throughout. God, God doesn't choose warriors to lead his people. He chooses Moses, a shepherd. You know, Moses isn't some great warrior, and God chooses him to lead the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And then we begin to look at the the king Saul was out looking for his dad's animals. David was a shepherd boy and the least of his brothers. He was a shepherd boy that played the guitar, right? God chooses unlikely people because it's not about their strength. It's about his strength. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The psalmist says, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Do you see it? Wait, submit, give your strength to God, whatever he wants to do. It's the example of Jesus. Jesus exemplified strength under God's control. It wasn't about his plan, not my will, but your will. As a matter of fact, I, I believe if Jesus could have, if it was based on a vote, Jesus wouldn't have chose the cross. Jesus didn't die on a cross. And, and, and you, can, you can say you're all wet, Pastor. Jesus didn't die on a cross because he loved you. He died on a cross because it was the will of the Father. See, see, we get caught up in the emotion of want to and feel like, and oh, if I just feel like or I want to, but, but, but Jesus gives us the example of, well, I'm, I don't want to do this. It's not like I emotionally, or oh boy, let's go to a cross, let's die this suffering death, but it's just about, not my will, but your will. My, my strength is your strength. You know, there's a secondary question here, a, kind of a historical question. When, when Jesus is saying these things, could Israel have gained the land? I think so, but I think Jesus also knew. 
He knew their hearts. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. (laughs) So I believe Jesus is speaking these words, and and I believe truly if Israel would have just said, okay, we're going to submit to God, I believe God would have given them the land. But, but Jesus knew that these people were not willing to submit themselves to God. But this isn't about inheriting the earth. It's not about inheriting land for us. You know, I'm starting to get stuff from mom and dad. And, uh, you know, they're, they're giving me all these special things. It's, it's kind of funny. I don't live down there, so the special things I get are a little bit interesting. Uh, Diane's got an antique table. I've got a paint-by-number Last Supper. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Diane's there, so she's taking care of things. It's okay. It's more than the earth. This is about God keeping his promises. That, that is, this beatitude is not about those who submit their strength to God will inherit the earth, but this is about God keeping his promises. If we fully submit to him, God will keep his promises. We will live in the blessing of God's fulfilled promises when we place our strength under his control. Yeah, you know what I like about this? God's promises go beyond your circumstances. See, see God never promises no issues. But he promises his presence. He promises his power. He, he, he promises that he will be enough if we fully submit ourselves to him. You know, one image that, that you have in this is, is, is the strength of a horse under the control of a rider. I can remember we, we always had horses growing up and, and you know, they, they were wild, wild animals because we didn't ride them enough. And, you know, I, I can remember riding you and feeling the power of that horse. We weren't always good about cinching saddles tight enough, so I can recall riding upside down on a horse, which is an interesting thing to do. But, but you know, there's something, who, who's heard of rain training? You know what I mean by rain training? You know, you, you lay your, the rain on the side of the neck and the horse knows, okay, go this way or that way. You know, it's more than just pulling their head, but, you know, kind of teaching them, guiding them. You know, there's more than rain training. There, there, there's a way of riding where you don't even need a rain and a horse can just sense which way. I've got a video. It's a little bit longer, but I thought you guys, would, I, I enjoy this. And you even got your country music fix in. I don't know, there's something about that video that um, it touches me. And I, I don't know why so much other than it's the image of God on us. <laughs> that, that God's desire for us is not to be yanking our reins, but us just having a sense for his body and where he wants us to go, that we just go. <laughs> you know, the question is, is, is your strength under God's control. 
And, and in the video we watched, it was just, you know, move a foot a little bit, move a leg a little bit, and the horse would know which direction to go. And it's a question of knowing the rider. <laughs> the horse knew the rider. And, and I wonder, do we know God well enough that he doesn't have to yank on a, a bridle or, you know, kick us in the back to get us going, but we just feel him and know him. You know, see, see, this is why this is about relationship. It, it, it's about knowing. It's about relationship and walking with. I, I think about me and Terry. Terry and I have been married 27 years now. And some of you have been married a lot longer than that. I know that. But, you know, I know Terry. You know, if I get on the computer and, and, and I, have to, um, I have to figure out a password and she set the password, guess what? I can figure it out. You know, we go to a restaurant. She always waits to order. Uh, you, know, she does, you know, she gets mad at me if I order. But, but the truth is I could order for her most times the first time the waiter or the waitress are there. I know her. You know, it didn't, it didn't just happen, but it's a lifetime of, of getting conversation. Well, it's being in the Word. It's paying attention when God is speaking. It's having a regular time of prayer. It's being in small groups and Sunday school classes. It's coming to corporate worship. It's serving. It's listening. Build your kingdom here. Build your kingdom here. God, may my strength be under your control. Amy, why don't you sing this and lead us? And let's bring the house lights down a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to stand while she sings this real slow. Uh, but I, want, I do want you to pray it. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't just go through the words. I, mean, I, I think this is a significant song for us at this time. Build your kingdom here. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe you feel like God's always having to pull the rein. And, and God's desire is just that you know him so intimately <laughs> that when you see an opportunity to be generous, God doesn't have to rank, yank on the rein of your life to get you to be generous. You just say, hey, the nature of my God is generosity and my strength under control right here is generosity. See, see I, that's the, I guess that's the point I'm trying to get across. See, some of these characteristics, we shouldn't have to learn every time, right? I mean, every time you need to forgive, I think God's desire for us is that we become people that when it's time to forgive, we just say, that's the nature of my God is to forgive. And so I'm going to forgive. The nature of my God is to love. The nature of my God is to serve. The nature of my God is to, is to give. The nature of my God is to be generous. God will keep his promises. God will keep his promises if you place your strength under his control. Altars are always available. You can pray in your pews. Maybe you want to pray with somebody else. You know, no, no twisted arms here.
but I want you to know that altars are always available. I'm going to pray with you. And then while we're singing this, I just ask you to be obedient. And then Pastor Bob's going to come and close us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we want our strength to be under your control. And Lord, I believe your desire, your desire for us is the image we saw in the video where horse and rider are one. Where where it's not about begrudgingly doing your will, but it's about finding your will and just living in it. Help us now in these moments of reflection to allow your spirit to speak, to say the things that I cannot say. Help us to be obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray.